It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Thank you all very much. And thank the press for being here. We're going to go private now. That was an interesting little clip, and uh, I see, too bad you can't see it, but this is what happened. The president was asked, President Biden, uh, there are so many people uh, stranded in Afghanistan, Americans, and uh, are you going to be able to get them out? And uh, uh, and so the president looks, and he's, he kind of laughs and smirks, and uh, then he starts to, to answer the question, and his mic is cut off. Uh, that was uh, very interesting, happened yesterday. President Joe Biden had his mic cut off. Maybe that's because just a couple of days before that, he was in the White House honoring the WNBA champions, Seattle Storm. They came into the White House. Uh, they all had on masks, but uh, they're standing in that traditional pose where they get a photo with the president, and they all have on masks, and so does President Biden. The, but the one thing that distinguishes him from the team is that he kneels. President Joe Biden kneels in the White House in front of this team. Um, and so uh, that's the guy that's leading the free world last night. It might explain why last night, right now. That might explain why on a conference call with the G7 leaders uh, just a few days ago, maybe it was yesterday, it was in the last probably 20, 48 hours, the entire call with the leaders of the free world and Joe Biden lasted seven minutes. Seven minutes. The free world uh, between Boris Johnson and the president of France and the British prime minister, there is such abject disgust uh, because they understand, honestly, I think they understand that this is really um, some are saying that this is the equivalent, really, of World War II. This is because the whole earth is shaking. Uh, I mean politically. I don't mean literally, not yet. Uh, but the whole order of things is being completely deconstructed before our very eyes. And I don't know if uh, Americans really realize how important America is as the spoke of that wheel that maintains freedom in the world. And the spoke of that wheel is crumbling um, rapidly, in fact, rapidly. It's just uh, very, very upsetting. I'm sure it is to all of you. It certainly is to me. And so CNN, Barbara Starr, it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, when you see CNN, you know, it's uh, it's still an adjustment to see CNN criticize uh, President Biden. Uh, and yet they are doing it. I told you why I think they're doing it. I think the left wants to get rid of him quickly, uh, put Afghanistan hanging on his back, get rid of him, and then have Kamala march in. Uh, without the the yoke of that, and then do the you know finish their destruction because that is exactly what they're doing. And I, I actually this week I don't have time to really talk about this. Of all things, a huge thing has happened on Capitol Hill. They are pushing through uh, the Voting Act, which will mean if they can pass it in the Senate. And I don't put it past them because there's nothing they won't do. They passed a they actually illegally passed it in the in the House by changing a rule, one of their rules because they couldn't get moderate Democrats to actually go along with it. Uh, but they twisted their arms and got it done, and so they have uh, set the stage for this horrific Voter Rights Act, which I understand is worse, more uh, has more stuff in it that's worse than the original act. It's because Instead of like moderating it to please people that were squeamish about it, they made it worse. And then they are, they are hell-bent hurtling toward passing that trillion and trillions of dollars worth of bill. They're putting everything in it. 
they're actually salivating. They're so excited. I heard it described yesterday, and I think this is accurate, as a looting, looting of the American Treasury before everything falls. Uh, and uh, I, I don't, I don't doubt that. And I saw, you know, when I think about, I played for you a couple of days ago uh, that clip of uh, Chuck Schumer and um, uh, uh, Stephen Colbert dancing at this. They were, they weren't the only ones dancing, but it, it, this was just a clip of them dancing with this music pounding, smiling, laughing. Uh, Nancy Pelosi having this big bash out in uh, Napa Valley. They, they, uh, they don't. They are celebrating. Uh, Barack Obama having this huge birthday bash. They're happy. By the way, Barack Obama's all involved in, uh, that was all involved in what happened on Capitol Hill. Uh, lobbying and twisting arms. Uh, they did a lot of things to twist arms. They're coming back, and uh, I will talk about this more later, but let me just say horrible things are happening. Horrible things are happening, and they are looting the American Treasury. It's like, reminds me of the oligarchs in Russia. When the Soviet Union fell, they 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 raided Russia of its natural resources. I had front row seat to that. Um, so um, this is what this reminds me of. So all of that to say, CNN's Barbara Starr was actually getting upset, too. She's talking to John Kirby, who's the spokesperson for the, for the Pentagon, and uh, this is her question, and this is his answer, clip two understand this. This is the answer we've gotten for days and days and days from every podium in this town. Even if this administration does not have the denominator, that is not my question. My question is, can this administration tell the American people how many Americans it has evacuated from Afghanistan? And if you cannot, can you please explain, not the denominator, why why can't you just say the number? Barbara, I think we're just going to leave it at several thousand right now, and I understand that's not a satisfying answer to you. I would tell you that uh, that the number literally changes almost by the hour. Uh, it, it, I understand, Barbara. We're going to leave it at several thousand for right now. We're going to leave it. We're going to leave it because we wouldn't want to dare put a number on it because if they did put a number on it, you would be so alarmed. And I'm going to put a number on it. Uh, so Anthony Blinken, of course, who is the Secretary of State, uh finally had to come forward and put some numbers. And these are the numbers that he gave them. This is clip five. Over the past 24 hours, we've been in direct contact with approximately 500 additional Americans and provided specific instructions on how to get to the airport safely. We'll update you regularly on our progress in getting these 500 American citizens out of Afghanistan. For the remaining roughly 1,000 contacts that we had who may be Americans seeking to leave Afghanistan, we're aggressively reaching out to them multiple times a day through multiple channels of communication, phone, email, text messaging, to determine whether they still want to leave uh, and uh, to get the most up-to-date information and instructions to them for how to do so. Some may no longer be in the country. Some may have claimed to be Americans but turn out not to be. Some may choose to stay. We'll continue to try to identify the status and plans of these people in the coming days. Thus, from this list of approximately 1,000, we believe the number of Americans actively seeking assistance to leave Afghanistan is lower, likely significantly lower. Having said that, these are dynamic Calculations. All right, I'm going to interrupt you. These are dynamic. We're we're killing ourselves. We're calling them. We're emailing them. I heard someone who's trapped in country say that, yeah, we keep getting emails and calls, but it doesn't, there's no answer. They just say shelter in place or wait to hear from us, and they're doing nothing. All right, so the party line, the Democratic Party line, the Joe Biden line is that there are 82,300 people have been flown out of Kabul since August the 14th. And now uh, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, is telling you that there's like 500. And well, we're not sure that some may be Americans and some of them maybe just don't even want to get out anymore. But I assure you, you know, we're all over it. Now, I, I uh, have several points to make. I hope I, have, I hope I have the clarity this morning to make them. I will make this. Uh, Anthony Blinken was an assistant to Susan Rice. Uh, my sources tell me that really it's Susan Rice pulling the strings on this. And you will recall that Susan Rice was the one who was pulling the strings on another situation, and that was Benghazi. 
And the similarities here to me are shocking. Uh, we were, you know, had a front row seat to Benghazi too. Some of you don't remember this. You haven't been listening to me that long. But we uh, did everything we could to expose what was happening there, how there were dozens more people seriously injured in that besides the four or five um, uh, Army SEALs who were guards, our former special services guys who were murdered on that roof, uh, there were so many others injured. They had to sign uh, agreements that they wouldn't talk, non-disclosure agreements. Oh, I could go on and on with that. And then they said that the, the attack happened because of a video that some guy in California had produced about uh, Mohammed. And uh, it wasn't because they were terrorists. And this is this. So they and they didn't care. They really didn't care that Americans were killed. And I want to make another point here. Do you really think that an administration who doesn't care if thousands of Americans are left behind in Afghanistan to be slaughtered by the Taliban, do you really believe them when out of the other side of their mouth they tell you they want you to be safe and be sure and get that vaccine because we want you to be safe and social distance because we want you to be safe? Really? They have so much concern for American citizens, especially middle America, uh, and that's the reason they're forcing you to have the vaccine. It's because they're concerned. Meanwhile, they're letting thousands of Americans be stranded in Afghanistan who will no doubt be dragged to the streets and beheaded and tortured, probably in living color for all of us to see around a September 11th, the 20th anniversary. Yeah, so I- I'm sorry. I have a little trouble swallowing the pill that they care. I have trouble with that. I want to read you now from the Daily Call of the Real Numbers. Roughly three 1,800 Americans have been evacuated from Afghanistan since July 29th, with an estimated 8,000 remaining in the country. Um, The number has been masked by the White House and Pentagon in recent days. The Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said Monday several thousand. Jake Sullivan declined to give more specifics because it's embarrassing and it's, you know, kind of hurting Uh, President Biden's approval rating. It's going down And so we can't really say what the number is, but I'm going to continue because I want to tell you what the number is. Um, See, in early February, the assessment was that 16,000 Americans may be in Afghanistan. According to, there's an official they've been speaking to, it's off the record. This number has since been tailored down to around 12,000. Over the past 24 hours, 350 Americans departed Afghanistan, according to this official. The White House said early Tuesday that the uh, that approximately 21,600 were evacuated from Kabul from August 23rd at 3 o'clock. Oh, well, that's, uh, that, that's going to get confusing, but let's just let's stay with me. If roughly 350 Americans continue to depart daily over the next week, the U.S. still will not successfully evacuate all American citizens. And uh, the evacuation has already, the process has been to slow, slow, begun to slow down. And for, in fact, this morning I read that the first U.S. troops have started leaving because they've got to get them out. And I'm going to tell you why that is in just a second because it'll cut, curdle your blood. It will. So stay with me. This is going to be a fun show. Uh, at this point, the U.S. has evacuated around 58,700 since August 14th and 63,900 since the end of July. The vast majority of those leaving the country are not U.S. citizens. They are not U.S. citizens. And then I have in my hand um, word from inside sources that uh, we believe that they're going to just pull out, that we are in the next few hours, uh, maybe tonight, and the wee hours of the morning, Americans are just going to pull out and leave every everyone behind. Now, I don't know. Uh, that's a prediction by someone but someone on the inside, and we'll see if that actually uh, becomes true. I have so many other things to tell you about this, and if I have a higher chance, I'll I'll get to it. But let's just say that we are are experiencing a calamity. And um, so, but the irony is that most of us are able to live our lives normally, but that's not going to continue. I just want you to have a reality pill here uh, that we need to be prepared because um, there's more disaster unless we can stop this. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. 
So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance. And MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month, but you might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by August 31st, and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch, like more than 400,000 people already have. And start saving. Here it is. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Brian Moyer, director of the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. His agency is responsible for producing statistics, including gross domestic product. Leviticus 19.35 reminds us of the importance of striving for accurate measurements. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for wisdom for Brian Moyer as he works to provide an accurate accounting of our country's production output. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Most Democrats want the government to force Americans to mask up. That's according to a new survey from Rasmussen Reports. 66% of Democrats want mandates even for those who are vaccinated. Republicans, on the other hand, are overwhelmingly opposed to the mandates. Dr. Jeff Warren is a member of the Memphis City Council. He is also a progressive Democrat. Dr. Warren has been among the most vocal critics of those who refuse to get a vaccine. Not only has he been vaccinated, but Dr. Warren makes it a point to tell anyone who will listen that he wears two face coverings. So it was something of a surprise when he announced the other day that he had contracted the China virus. It does make you wonder whether the vaccine or the masks will actually keep you safe. My new book now topping the charts. You can order a copy of our Daily Biscuit right now at your favorite bookstore or online at ToddStearns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. I, uh, I, let me just continue just for a second to give you, finish this update. Uh, this is from the London uh, Financial Times. Uh, the title just is that the there's no way the U.S. can achieve Biden's commitment to getting all U.S. citizens out of Afghanistan. And I told you before the break uh, that I have it uh, from someone on the inside that we think that the military is preparing to leave in the middle of the night as early as this week. Oh, I don't think, you know, the soldiers want to. You should see the pictures of those men on the ground and women uh, doing everything they can to save lives and to help people. It's just amazing. And a lot of uh, retired military have formed groups. I wish I had time to read you all the things that I are in my head about uh, the efforts they're going to, people, veterans who served in Afghanistan, going over there and trying to get out Americans as best they can. And some of the guys that they worked with, translators, people that were close to them, and they've had some success, but of course the numbers are very small. Um, so the military is, um, is just being squeezed on all sides. Uh, as I told you, the commander-in-chief of the United States um, Armed Services uh, was bowed, took a knee, uh, when he recognized the champion Seattle Storm in the White House a couple of days ago. So the commander-in-chief is uh, on his knees, like, you know, the athletes protesting the flag, refusing to stand for it. That's the commander-in-chief 
that these people are trying to follow. Meanwhile, we get this uh, mandate for them that they have to have a vaccine. In fact, let's listen to John Kirby, the spokesperson, uh, kind of uh, double down. Let's listen. The FDA approved full licensure of the Pfizer vaccine this morning. And as also, I'm sure you're aware, back in August on the 9th, uh, the secretary articulated that it was his intent uh, to mandate the COVID-19 vaccines upon FDA licensure or uh, by mid-September to seek a waiver from the president. So now that the Pfizer vaccine has been approved, the department is prepared to issue updated guidance requiring all service members to be vaccinated. A timeline for vaccination completion will be provided in the coming days. Uh, the health of the force uh, is, as always, uh, our military and our civilian employees, families and communities is a top priority. Uh, so it's important to remind everyone that these efforts ensure the safety of our service members and promote the readiness of our force, not to mention uh, the health and safety of the communities around the country in which we live. All right. So I'm hearing from many of you who are in the military who are uh, upset. You know, it's ironic, isn't it, that we know that these vaccines are especially uh, affecting uh, young men. Uh, myocarditis is um, enough that even the, vac- the the process of approving the vaccine slowed down for a couple of weeks because of all the incidences of heart uh, problems that young men uh, were experiencing. And now all the young men in the military are being forced to take this, which reminds me, uh, before I introduce our guest, I got an email yesterday from Joseph, and he said, uh, a friend of mine has a son uh, who was at Great Lakes Naval Base. That's, of course, up in Chicago near my home. A friend of mine has a son who was vaxxed and developed clots in his lungs while in recruit training at Great Lakes. He was one of 50 who had been hospitalized in just his unit. He was not offered any preventative treatment at all. He underwent surgery and was promptly discharged. Is there no recourse, as this may affect him in years to come? Yep, so... uh I'm always looking for recourses, and I'm always trying to help you. And so that made me think of my friend Michael Berry, who is with First Liberty Institute. He's the general counsel. Michael is a veteran. And uh, we've intersected before when we were, oh, in such innocent days, Michael, like when we were actually trying to get, you know, chaplains to be protected in the military. And now it's it's gotten so much worse. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, there's really seems to be no end in sight to, you know, the, the, the attacks and threats on our religious freedom and our constitutional rights, and now even uh, our health and safety. So, And by the way, thanks for having me on, Sandy. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate you joining me, Michael. I'm just uh, so burdened, and I don't know how any of us paying attention can not be. I, it's just hard. It's hard, and it's going to continue to be hard. And I think the one word I would have for for you and for me and for everyone listening is that we have to have fortitude and long-suffering and discipline uh, to, to manage this. Otherwise, we're not going to make it through. Uh, we've, had, we've had pretty cushy lives, and uh, pro- problems have resolved themselves pretty quickly for most people in the United States. God has really blessed us. Uh, but we're entering a very difficult time, and it's going to require fortitude. So here we go. Michael, you guys at First Liberty, First Liberty are, are offering some kind of hope to, to the military guys. I guess the question is, for instance, in the— email I just read you about that recruit at Great Lakes. Is there any recourse in a situation like that for a soldier like that? Well, in a situation like that where there's actual um, physical harm to somebody, right? In this case, it sounded like uh, uh, blood clots in in their lung, and then they had to have surgery, and then they were discharged. Uh, I mean, obviously, I would encourage anybody in that circumstance to um, contact uh, an attorney who who specializes in in you know medical malpractice or medical injuries because there's always a possibility there and Congress actually j- most people don't realize this but Congress just recently changed the law on this to allow for people who've been injured due to medical malpractice while serving in the military to sue the military so there might be legal recourse available to that family I mean I, I you know I don't know all the, the facts and circumstances of that situation but it's always a possibility. Now, the question is, what if you're still in? What if you don't get surgery and, and have to get discharged, um, but you know, you, you're still in, you're subject to this vaccine mandate, you don't know what to do, um, and, and, and you feel like it's just wrong for you to take this vaccine, whether from a medical or a religious standpoint. Um, and we're asking people to go to firstliberty.org, which is our website, and as soon as you click on that, there should be a, a, a pop-up immediately 
that takes you to what we're calling our vaccine toolkit. This is a toolkit. It's really a religious liberty toolkit that we've provided. We're providing free of charge to the American people. This is whether you're in the military, whether you're a civilian, if you work for the government, if you work for a private employer, if you're a student. Uh, we've tried to cover as many bases as we can and really demystify a lot of the um, the questions that you know and 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 confusion around can you know my employer can the, my school can the military really force me to do this and if I have a religious objection what rights do I have under the Constitution and under the law and and we've tried again we've tried to address as many of those questions and issues and concerns as we can in this toolkit at firstliberty.org. Okay, firstliberty.org vaccine toolkit. So you are covering more than just the military, you're covering other people because people are, you know, they're sending me all kinds of people are just in such distress. Michael, just it's amazing. It's just overwhelming how much distress there is because they're worried. Now, I want to talk about the military in particular with you because they are in a different category. You know, uh, most American civilians don't understand you really do give up your personal liberty and rights uh, to a great degree when you join the military. So do they, what rights do they have to protect themselves if they're worried about the, uh, the, 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 um, the effects on them, especially young men, uh, the myocarditis, that's, that's a real concern. Do, does that give them any grounds to object or is it can it only be religious exemptions? Well, let's talk about the medical issue first, right? And I'm not, I mean, I want to be clear. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical expert. Uh, so I'm not here to dispense medical advice. But I think common sense tells us that if, you, if you're worried about the medical side effects of the vaccine uh, or any other type of treatment, you should go and talk to your doctor, right? And, 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 and get the blood work done. Uh, have whatever the tests they need to run to determine whether you're susceptible to potential adverse side effects and reactions. Um, and, and, and a lot of people are able to get their doctor to say, actually, uh, I don't think you should get the vaccine and you can get the proverbial doctor's note that excuses you from that. The military, uh, is supposed to by law. And, and my understanding is so far they have been honoring that, right? If you have a medical exemption or a medical waiver, then they're not going to require you to get the vaccine as a result of your medical waiver. Uh, now, the harder question is, well, what if I have a religious objection? I, I don't have a, necessarily have a medical uh, exemption, but I do have a religious objection to getting the vaccine. And, of course, people ask, well, what, what possible grounds did you have to object religiously? There's any number of grounds, Sandy. I mean, I, there's people who, um, who, through research, have learned uh, that uh, many, if not all, these vaccines were either developed or tested using abort, aborted stem cell lines. Um, and they have an objection to participating or advancing or condoning the use of aborted stem cells in the development of a vaccine that they're going to then put into their body. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, you get people who, in addition to the pro-life issue, uh, just feel that, that they can't do this in good faith, right? That the body, as the Bible describes the body as, as the temple of God, and that you shouldn't put anything into it that you can't do in good faith, because if you can't do something in faith, then it's sin, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I, again, I'm not saying that these are the things that people need to believe or should believe, or that this is what a good Christian believes, et cetera. I'm just saying these are the examples of people that are coming to us and saying, what, what can I do? So what can you do? You can, under law, under both federal law and military regulations, you have the right, if you are in the military, to ask for a religious accommodation. Now, I want to be clear there. You have the right to ask for a religious accommodation. It doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be granted. Um, But if it's denied, and if it's denied inappropriately, then that's something that at First Liberty Institute we're happy to look at and see uh, if if the denial was on illegal grounds. And trust me, there are many commanders out there who do not understand the law, who do not understand their obligations under the law, and, you know, boy, I, I know we're hearing the DOD and the Pentagon saying we need to have 100% vaccine compliance. Okay, that's great. I also wish they would be just as uh, high on prioritizing 100% constitution compliance, because that's the problem that I'm seeing, is that they are so bent on making sure that everybody gets vaccinated, is that when somebody has a religious objection and they have the right to ask for a religious accommodation, 
it, it, again, this is just anecdotal. I'm not going to say it's across the board, but there are some commanders out there who uh, don't have the appropriate level of respect um, for the Constitution and for religious liberty, and they just say, "Well, I disagree," and so I'm denying this, you know, and I or uh, that, you know, I'm a Christian and I don't believe that, or I'm a Christian and I had the vaccine, so what's your problem? Get the vaccine denied. And those are inappropriate grounds to deny somebody's a religious accommodation request. It has to undergo the proper legal review and analysis. And if it doesn't, it can be appealed. Michael, explain to us uh, the difference. The vaccines or Pfizer now has been officially approved by the FDA. Prior to that, all three vaccines get, that are used here in the United States uh, did, did not, they were experimental. They were in that experimental phase. So somehow... My understanding is the military could not force vaccinations until uh, the FDA approved it. Kind of explain that to us, if you could. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit outside my area of expertise, but my understanding is that under federal law, um, the government cannot make a vaccine mandatory, or they, they can, but it just takes a lot more effort. And I think that they all saw the writing on the wall and knew that, okay, one of these vaccines is going to get FDA approved any day now. So instead of having to do the really heavy lift of you know, going through all the bureaucracy to get to be able to order people to take a vaccine that's not FDA approved, they just decided to wait. And I, I guess you know, they, their, their gamble paid off because sure enough, uh, you know, Pfizer approved the FDA, uh, excuse me, FDA approved the Pfizer vaccine, I think faster than, than most people anticipated. So oh, now yes. that it's FDA approved, then now the federal government, uh, under under the regulations, can now make an any FDA approved vaccine mandatory, just as they do with you know measles, mumps, rubella, just as they do with um, in the military with anthrax. You know, the, because these are all FDA approved vaccines, they can now say, well, now it's mandatory. But the again, Sandy, the problem is, you hear some people say this. Some of the government spokespeople say this. But if you look at Secretary Austin, the Secretary of Defense, and the, and the directive that he issued yesterday saying the vaccine's now mandatory, just do a word search for the word religious exemption or religious accommodation. It appears nowhere in there. So again, they have an obligation under the law. They can say this vaccine is mandatory, but the law requires them to say, oh, unless you have a medical exemption or a religious exemption. And they're not, they're not saying that. And so to me, it's being, I'm not going to accuse them of being dishonest, but it's not telling the whole story. Well, the point I made earlier too, Michael, this is just surely my, uh, solely my opinion. And that is that when you have a military leader like Lloyd Austin and, uh, and a president like Joe Biden, who are now going to willingly leave thousands of Americans behind in Afghanistan, my, I just heard you may not. This is. I heard this from inside sources that we think they're just going to pull out in the middle of the night and leave. Um, uh, you know, tons of eight thousand is the uh, the actual estimate. It's not the presidential number. If they're going to do that, and they're not concerned about their lives, what in the world makes us think that they would be motivated out of concern for life uh, for people in the military or even people here in the United States? I'm sorry. I just I can't make that leap. One quick question, and it has to be quick. I got an uh, an email, very moving email from a young captain with five children, who said he does he cannot take the vac he's not taking the vaccine he's told his a boss that but he hasn't resigned. What would you what would you should he should he just hang tight and make have them make him? Uh, what will the military do? Do you think if uh, people refuse? Oh, okay. So really quick, first thing he needs to ask for the religious accommodation if if he has a religious objection. And, and if he hasn't already asked for it, right, the religious accommodation, he needs to ask for a religious accommodation. So I would tell him, go to our website, org, get the vaccine toolkit, which has a template that you can use, and fill it in and submit your religious accommodation request. If it's denied, you have the ability to appeal that. Once your appeals are completely exhausted, you still potentially have the ability to sue in federal court to have your rights vindicated. So okay. there's still a long road until All right. the military can okay. court Firstliberty.org vaccine kit. Thanks, Michael. Sandy Rios in the morning. Hello, I'm Gary Roby 
host of Call to Worship, heard each Sunday on American Family Radio. This one-hour program will lead you in a special time of worship and praise. We will focus on God's Word, spoken, and in music. Call to Worship has a different topic each week as we glorify God together. Be sure to join us at 5 a.m. Central each Sunday for a Call to Worship right here on American Family Radio. God has a purpose for each one of us and that in each of our lives there will come the prison experiences. There will come the problems, the difficulties. And that in the midst of those, God wants to teach us and He wants us to learn. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Overcoming Loneliness, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Apostle Paul penned his second epistle to Timothy, now an elder in the church at Ephesus, in about 64 or 65 A.D., while imprisoned in Rome, awaiting his imminent execution under Nero. In warning Timothy about the coming perilous times, marked by the increased anti-Christian persecution in the Roman Empire in 64 A.D., Paul directed Timothy to his speech and his feet. In speech, Paul gave Timothy priceless biblical instruction. In feet, Paul left Timothy a legacy of lifestyle. Christ's following demands consistency between speech and feet. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life. I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if they had not been there to support me. From giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower, and they went out and they got churches to cover my bills. They helped me through so much. It was just incredible. Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. Would you join with Preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. An alarming pattern is now unmistakable. The Biden-Harris administration repeatedly accommodates the Chinese Communist Party. This may be shocking and should be regarded as ominous, but it certainly is no surprise. The latest example is the reported inability of the U.S. intelligence community to confirm that a Chinese biological warfare lab in Wuhan was the source of the COVID-19 pandemic. Given what we know, only the willfully blind could thus effectively exonerate the CCP. Unfortunately, Joe Biden and many of his senior subordinates are deeply compromised by the Chinese communists, and that reality seems likely to translate into still more and more dangerous concessions in the future. Turning a blind eye to the PRC's unrestricted warfare against us, aimed at destroying this country, will only further embolden and enable our mortal enemy, the Chinese Communist Party. It must stop now. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. If you're one of the millions of Americans who said that they uh, will not get the shot when it's until it has full and final approval of the FDA, it has now happened. The moment you've been waiting for is here. It's time for you to go get your vaccination and get it today. The FDA approval is the gold standard. And as I just said, now it has been granted. All right, so you know what? Uh, he, he's worried about you, and so he's only thinking of you. Uh, there's nothing else to this. The president is just really concerned about you. He's not so concerned about the 13,000 Americans left behind who will be left behind any moment now in uh, Afghanistan.
I'm not so concerned about them. They're even lying about the numbers. Uh, they could have stayed, uh, they could have negotiated, they could have gone in and blown up the weapons that were left there, but they haven't done any of those things, which makes many of us think that this is on purpose, that somebody pulling the levers there really kind of has a side, and it's not the side of America, uh, that they want destruction, that they actually, like, uh, you know, in Benghazi, Susan Rice, they were doing everything they could. They were doing a smuggling of arms uh, to uh, Al Qaeda, uh, that was the, the that was the that was what was happening in that station. A lot a lot of really bad things were happening, and so that's why they didn't want to go in and rescue the Americans there because they didn't want people to discover what was happening in that station. So, um, yeah, so yeah, and then I remember that Barack Obama sent bil- millions in cash to um, uh, to pay off the Iranians. So they have a they have a side that they've chosen, and it isn't ours. And so, I, I, yes, I agree. I think it's very likely that this is all intentional. I know that a lot of Americans are beginning to think, you know, Joe Biden is incompetent and uh, that his administration is incompetent. No, I, I think they're actually very competent. So is Barack Obama. They know exactly what they're doing. They're dismantling this country uh, quickly. Uh, they are transforming it. Remember, he promised there'd be a transformation. So they're transforming it right now, and they're they're having a lot of success. And but don't be don't think that there's not a all out effort to fight them because there is, and I'm part of that effort, and so are you, right? Uh, they unless we just all give up our rights and just roll over and play dead, uh, then they will have it all. But if we keep fighting, then there's always a chance we could prevail. And so they don't have it yet. That's why they're pushing so hard and so quickly. All right, a couple of things really important. Um, uh, the FDA, of course. Uh, approve the Pfizer shot, and I'm going to commend a couple of articles to you. Remember, I ask you to please bring pencil and paper when you come to the show now, and I know, or, or you know, send yourself a text or whatever that helps you remember this. But this is an article by Daniel Horowitz. It's the FDA's indefensible approval of the Pfizer shot, and uh, he, he's going to compare for you how, what approval usually looks like, and it doesn't look like this. And so, and then also. Uh, like I've talked about ivermectin so much, you know, since Bruce, well, I've talked about it before. Bruce got sick with my husband uh, and got so, sorry, I've got, reading other things while I'm talking to you, uh, got so sick and was, I believe his life was saved by ivermectin and I had ivermectin as well when I got COVID and it did wonders. But so lo and behold, the FDA warns against ivermectin as a COVID treatment. And they go on and on about how uh, bad it is. Now you shouldn't take it. So Daniel Horowitz has a counter to that that I want you to see. It's FDA disseminates dangerous and libelous misinformation against life-saving COVID treatment, just like they did with hydroxychloroquine. Uh, they, you know, made it sound as though it was so dangerous. And then after President Trump was out of office, uh, they quietly later changed their minds. And uh, they used bogus studies to prove their point. So why is it they're, they're so against things that might help? And in fact, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, from all appearances, doesn't have any kind of neg- uh, you know adverse effects on people. I mean, there may be some exceptions to that. For the most part, no. They've been around for decades. And so why why would they not be why would they not be in favor of just letting people try? Uh, but they're not in favor of letting you try, because why? I wonder. Well, you fill in the blank. A couple of other practical helps I want to give you before I jump into email here. Uh, if you are working for an organization and you are, you don't want to, they're forcing you to get a vaccine like Delta Airlines and others, or you fill in the blanks, there's too many to mention right now. The new Civil Liberties Alliance is producing some information to help you. That's the new Civil Liberties Alliance. Alliance, okay, like letters to, to, to send to your employer, example letters. Uh, also, um, uh, the um, uh, for students, if you have kids in school and you're having trouble with this issue of um, mandates for vaccines or wearing ankle bracelets if you don't have a vaccination, the American Constitutional Rights Union, that's ACRU, ACRU is helping students uh, as well as Liberty Council. They're doing that also. So Liberty Council. The American Constitutional Rights Union are helping students. Um, And the new Civil Liberties Alliance is helping uh, people that are working. And, of course, FirstLiberty.org is helping military members. Okay? So I hope those things help. Now, let me jump right into email because we have so many. They're good. They're great. 
Um, this is, I want to, I have them in no particular order, so I'm just going to plunge right in and try to get as many in as I can. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is from Monty, who's a faithful listener and a, a friend. He's a pastor, actually. I don't know him personally, but I know him through email. And he's been upset with me because um, he feels like the vaccine is important and many people have been saved. And he's upset that I would uh, uh, dissuade people or have make, ask them to think about it before they do this. And so I mentioned, he said he has a lot of friends in the in the medical profession and he trusts them. And I told him I didn't think he should. And so he said, uh, when you told me not to trust my local hospital, um, he, he goes on to say, I know many of the administrators, nurses and doctors at this hospital, I go to church with them. I attend functions with them. They are trusted friends. And you were telling me not to trust my friends. Monty, you know, I have a lot of friends too. And um, I trust them on some things and not on others. You know, some have more wisdom than others. Some have a lot of knowledge. Uh, and some I would trust with my life. But I wouldn't trust all of my friends with my life. Do you? I mean, because they're your friends, does that mean that you trust them? You trust everything they say about everything? I find that... Um, in this situation, uh, some people are just uninformed, and that includes medical personnel, because they're being inundated with stuff from the FDA and the CDC that I believe are lies. And, uh, and they, they're busy in their profession, and also it's risky to w- walk a different line from what uh, the FDA and the CDC are saying. It's very risky. Just ask all those really fine doctors who've been persecuted and uh, thrown offline on Twitter and Facebook and uh, blackballed by the medical profession. You know, what have they got to gain by trying to tell you that there's something wrong here? Think of it that way. And what does your doctor and all your friends have to gain by telling you that you need to have the vaccine or your friends all need to have the vaccine? They have everything to gain because that it's safe for them to do that. They have nothing to lose by doing that. So I just think you have to think about it very deeply. I think it's not a matter of... Um, it's not a matter of... Uh, um, Someone else wrote me. I was going to respond to her because she she feels that a pastor friend of hers has had the vaccine and she's disappointed because she thinks she's inferring that she thinks it's not, you know, uh, an expression of your faith to take a vaccine. So I wanted to say to her, and I'm going to fold it into my response to you, that it is not. Uh, there are going to be differences of opinion. A lot of serious. Christians, serious-minded, have taken the vaccine. A lot of serious Christians are not taking the vaccine. I think it's a matter more of discernment and knowledge than it certainly is of spiritual. Because, well, Christians, you know, we take medicines, we go to doctors, for heaven's sake. These are things that God has given us as um, resources. It's part of, um, the, I think, the blessing of living in this country and during the times in which we have lived, where there is so much medical research so I don't think it's ungodly to take the vaccine, and I, I, I don't hold that position at all. Um, but I think that it's uh, becoming very suspect, the forcing of people and the, the shame uh, of not taking it. Um, oh, I could go on and on, but I would talk us up to the top of the hour. I got into it with a lady in a nail salon yesterday because she said loudly that the problem we have is all these unvaccinated people. And so... <laughs> You know me. Um, uh, she was like sitting several stations away from me, and I turned around. And I said, "That's just not true." And so then I got into a discussion. The whole nail salon was listening. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm laughing just because I don't really like doing that, but I just can't stand it. That's all those people listening, and and the shame of it. And I said, "That's just not true." And I talked to her about why we're so, and people were listening. So, and then a lot of people asked me questions afterwards. So I hope I was able to help people in that salon. To get help, what we need is, Amante, what we need is treatment for people who are sick. Amante goes on and tells me very touchingly that he's lost a 50-year-old niece. Uh, she was a hero nurse. I've lost a few friends and acquaintances, and that's why he's so sensitive about this. Uh, and I think, Monty, the issue is that COVID does kill people, but the issue that I, the point I'm trying to make to you is that there are effective treatments. And I bet your friends, I bet your doctor friends, you ask them if they ever give ivermectin. Or if they've uh, if they've shunned hydroxychloroquine, because those are effective. Uh, now hydroxychloroquine, I don't know if it's a treatment, but it's a, it's something that prevents. But how about ivermectin? Uh, and um, I, I think you'd be surprised because I'm hearing from. And I'm sorry that this has been a source of um, disagreement between us, but it probably does have to remain that because I 
I don't think that the question, the choice is either uh, don't get a vaccine or get COVID and die. And that's kind of what they pose to you. I will give you an example of someone else. Uh, this is this is another email. I got this from Denise. And I'm going to try to get as much of this in as I can because I think it, res- it uh, will respond to you, Monty, and others. Um, she said, um, we live in Oklahoma, and until the past month, uh, none of my friends and family have been COVID-free. And then in just four weeks, seven people I know got covid And she said, I want to give you an example of what's happened here. My friend and her family went to Florida. She and her husband and adult daughter came down with COVID when they returned to Oklahoma. She went to a walk-in clinic and was given no medication. She was terribly ill, vomiting, fever, and weak. Once the nausea passed after seven days, she was still too weak to even walk around her home. She was off work two and a half weeks, and after three and a half weeks, it's just beginning to get her strength back. I go to the same doctor she does, and when she called them to get a prescription because she wasn't getting better, was told there is no medicine to prescribe for COVID. Number two, my brother-in-law went to Maine on vacation at the beginning of August, came down with COVID, tried to fight it on his own. He was not given any medicine from the walk-in clinic, uh, and he ended up in the hospital after nine days. His oxygen levels went below 90. He went to Eastern Maine Medical Center in Bangor and was given a cocktail of medicine put on oxygen, and immediately started improving. Within five days, he was released and sent to a family member's home to finish recovering. He was the only patient on the COVID floor that had been the first admitted to the hospital with COVID in two weeks in that hospital. I like Denise, Denise is just telling us the truth. It's not an even account. I kind of I like that because I'm into that. It, not every little detail is going to comport with your... If most of the details don't comport with your opinion, then you need to start really thinking about what it is you believe but she's given us all the details here, and I like that. And I'm giving them to you, too. So um, a fr- number three, a friend's large extended family went to Alabama co- to the Alabama coast to vacation together, and the mother in her 70s came down with COVID, uh, and several others also. Her mother was very ill, went to the hospital at Bailey Hospital South in Tulsa. She was put on the COVID ward, was given no medication other than just being put on oxygen. She got weaker and weaker, and the doctor told her that unvaccinated people don't get medicine. It wouldn't help her. She was told that within a day or so, she would be put on a ventilator and she would probably die. This woman's fairly healthy, and they weren't giving her her anything to help fight the virus. Her doctor decided to discharge her and bring her home. There's a chiropractor in our town doing transfusion treatments for COVID, and she decided to take her mother there. The doctor in that hospital told my friend that her mother wouldn't make it out of the parking lot alive, and when she died... She needed to tell everyone that they should have gotten a vaccination. He said also to my friend, I hear that you don't like my hospital and you want your mother to leave. My friend said, I didn't say that. I said I want her to live. So she has to leave. So her friend said this is the scariest thing she's ever done. She put her mother in the car with the oxygen tank, put her hand on her mother, prayed the entire 60 miles north while she drove as fast as she could, one hand on the wheel, one hand on her mother's body, to our hometown, the chiropractor was waiting. They gave her the transfusion. Uh, and within 24 hours, her mother started to cough up phlegm and improve. Five days later, her mother ate for the first time. And now she's been on off oxygen for two days. And there's more to that. So uh, then she talks about her daughter got sick. She went to a primary care doctor who gave her ivermectin and she recovered. Uh, um, so she said, I want people to know that they have to fight for themselves to get medical treatment and be informed of how they can get medicine to fight COVID. And so I, I wanted to end with that because uh, that's absolutely what we're seeing across the board. There is treatment for COVID. It isn't like get a vaccine or die from COVID. Those are not the choices. That is another lie. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.